I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Thank you very, very much for being on the podcast, Paula. Not at all. Thank you for inviting me. It's really kind of you. No, it's very kind of you to be here. I, I um, saw you and heard of you for the first time when we were at Change Your World Conference. Sure, yeah. Susie had um, organised, and Susie's been on the podcast before as well, talking about the Change Your World um, Conference. And when was that? Was that September, October? Uh, September October time yeah last last year um Susie's fab she I, yeah. I was at I was at her change of world conference in Inverness the year yeah. before yeah so um it was great to be to be back at the at the next one I wasn't meant to be back for from the swim on time for that right. so I think I was just shoehorned in at the last minute so it was really kind of there to oh, that's cool that's cool and it turns out that we have other mutual friends so Kim McLeod you know and yes. uh, Stephen Morrison. Stephen, yeah. Yes. Stephen is a is a wonderful, wonderful chap. I love <laughs> him is. so much. I've been trying to get him on the podcast, and he keeps telling me yes, and then never gets back to me with a date. So I'm just going to oh. pin him down one day with a microphone and go speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just like pretend. <laughs> just pretend that you're going for coffee or something, and turn up with a microphone. <laughs> He's got tons of chat and and just such an amazing story as well. So yeah. um, yeah, he's he's great. I love him. Yes. And and I I I wouldn't have met Stephen if it hadn't been for all for all my you know daft challenges and stuff. He mm. I just love what he what he did about kind of physical health and things like that. And we really crossed over in a lot a lot of things. And yeah, have remained friends since, which is yeah. which is lovely. He's an amazing soul. So Stephen, when you're sure. listening to this. There's a big call for you to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Get your backside on this podcast. Paula, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about what it is that you do in this world and who you are? Sure thing. So I am Paula Must Try Harder Maguire. Um, so my my backstory is that I struggled with my mental health for. 30 years since I was really young kid really poor mental health really bad anxiety um, and it manifested itself in loads of different ways to the point that I was a bit of a prisoner to it in fact I was a prisoner to it I, I couldn't couldn't really leave the house on my own anymore by the time I got to 30 even just basic adult things like answering the phone answering the door I just couldn't bring myself to do it anymore and got to the point that things were just so bad and not going to move forward in a positive in a positive way really yeah and that is when I became Paula Mastrider <laughs> and decided to just give myself a chance to to put some faith in myself to put some trust in myself and see if I could live a healthy life yeah. with these mental health conditions so I started to just set myself really big ridiculous challenges and it kind of just snowballed from there and nowadays I am the world's least likely adventurer because <laughs> I'm terrified of everything but I try everything um, and I am a mental health ambassador I, I go around schools and 
different organisations and talk to to people about living really healthy, engaged, adventurous, wonderful lives, even though you have a mental health condition. So that's kind of where I am at the minute. Um, I'm doing lots of speaking and writing and things that I just never thought that I would have the opportunity to do. And it's all because I started just embracing life a bit and um, and putting a wee bit of just faith in myself, which is something that I'd never done before that. Yeah. Do you do you or have you become aware of anything that triggered your anxiety? Like when you started getting mental health problems, was there something that happened or was it a build up of experiences over time? Absolutely a build up over time. Um I very much think that my nature didn't help. Um I was really, really shy as a kid and really um just a really kind of a introverted soul and it it was exacerbated by the fact that obviously anxiety w- was working on me even at that very young age so I I kind of let myself um, shy away from life so I would hide behind my big sister she would speak for me and do all that social stuff yeah um, I would go into panic if I had to try something new so even like things like going to the brownies or whatever that all my friends were doing I really I was so scared that if I said to my mum and dad I really don't want to do that they they would you know they didn't know that it would be good for me to go and face these fears Um, they thought why would why would me why would we stress her out why would we make her feel worse so I I kind of wrapped myself in, in cotton wool and didn't face any of those really um, low-risk um, fears when I was young. So by the time I was in my 20s, I had no context for fear whatsoever. So I didn't know the difference between the phone ringing and me having to answer it or you know, getting chased by a bear. Both yeah. things had the same response in me because I hadn't, hadn't really giving myself a chance to figure out what manageable risk was and where I was with that and how much I could face that. So everything was just terrifying for me, just absolutely everything. So it was a build-up of things. And then when I was in, um, really early on, I started to get facial tics and twitches, just really physical manifestations of of the anxiety. And in the 80s, nobody really knew what that was. Nobody knew what childhood anxiety was. So, you know, I was taken to specialists for ear, nose and throat and all yeah. sorts of things. Um and when you're when you're a teenager and your face is really twitchy and the more people look at it, the worse it gets. I was just bullied yeah. constantly. So for me people Yeah, people were terrified. People people were things that bullied me and that, you know, made life hard for me. So I started to just shy away from people as well. And that's I think that's where the social anxiety really started um, in my in my early early teens. And I I just couldn't bring myself to be involved in all the things that that my very, very small group of friends could do, like um go to parties and things like that. So so yeah, it was a build up of things. Um to the point that when I was meant to be an adult, <laughs> I didn't really have the, I didn't have the breadth of social skills to, to deal with 
just typical adult situations. So it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And how dark did it need to get before you you were triggered to change? And was there something at the other end of that scale that triggered you to to go right this and up and up? I would I would really love to say that there was a moment, you know, that big Hollywood Eureka moment <laughs> of that there was a light bulb, I, you know, I fell out of the bath and I, um, the angels came. Was, <laughs> yes, yes, there was no dream, there was no um it was uh it was a culmination of a lot of things that year. I was turning thirty that year. Um the doctors and counsellors and everyone was kinda of, were kinda of saying we've pretty much tried everything. You know, there's this is this is maybe just what your life is now, Paula. Maybe this is they didn't say it in so many words, but maybe this is as good as it gets. Mm. And when when you're thirty and you you can barely leave the house to get to your work, for me that was not as good as life got. I still felt like there was so much in me that I had to do and that I wanted to. I always wanted. To be helping people by the time I was 30 and changing things for people and making things better and I was stuck in this flat <laughs> unable to even make things better for myself so yeah. so it was just it was just a lot of different things happening at, at the one time I was at that point taking quite a lot of medication just to get me through the next five ten minutes of, of anxiety so I was self-medicating really badly um, you know I knew every chemist within a 50 mile radius of my house because yeah. I was just buying anything that I could to get so I was just in a really really bad place and yeah. if I wasn't going to make the, the conscious decision to to end things for myself which at times was an option um, it was going to happen naturally because I was taking forty pounds a day that I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have mm. been taking. Yeah. So, so the whole situation was just really, really dark, and there was no one else that I felt that I could go to because I'd I'd gone to everyone. This had been since I was really young. I'd I'd, I'd kind of seen everyone and taken everyone else's opinion, and it was just the realization that the only person whose opinion that I hadn't considered was my own. Yeah. And the only person that I hadn't put any faith in to to get myself out of this was myself because I, I didn't know that I could trust myself. So that was what I decided to do really was just to give myself one chance because I'd never really taken a chance before um, on, on my own opinion and on my own um, merits to just see if I could battle my way back into the world. And that was... That was really as big as the decision was. It wasn't that I was going to then go forward and, you know, start helping other people. It was a really, it was a really selfish decision of, this is the only chance that I've got to save my own life. And that sounds really dramatic, but it it was the truth at the time. It was like your intuition was actually managing to get through the numbness that you had for putting in with the, with all the drugs you were taking. Exactly. Um, that powerful and in those tiny lucid moments that I had that were just me, just me and my anxiety and, and my own thoughts, I knew myself that, that, that I had more to give and that I had, there was more in me than the anxiety was allowing me to believe. And, and yeah, I just had to, had to take a step in the right direction. And it was just, you know, 
it was a massive step for me, but it was just something as simple as as learning to cycle, which was the first thing that I that I tried. Yeah. And once, you know, once I managed that, and it took me ages, but once I managed that, just that sense of pride in my own achievements, in spite of all the barriers and everything else that was going on, it was just a, it was such a such a high and such a realization that I had in me the strength. All, everything that I needed to get through this was was already in there. I just had to access it, and that was an amazing, amazing moment for me, and and has carried me forward to eight years later when I'm able to talk to lovely you on a podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. So, did you you were working during the time when you were having the really bad anxiety and stuff like that? Did the people that you worked with were they aware of that situation, or did you manage to put on like a, a sort of presents to other people to try and hide it from them yeah um I thought I thought that everyone noticed I thought that everyone knew how horrific <laughs> I was at being an adult yeah um but since speaking to people afterwards because I'm really open about my mental health now and yeah. um don't shut up about it yeah. um so it's amazing to me the amount of people that, that didn't actually realize that the all the facial twitches and all the blinking and all the me lying to get out of things and and they they hadn't noticed and I think a lot of that was part of my social anxiety was that I didn't want anyone to think there was anything different about me I didn't want to be noticed I didn't want anybody to think that I wasn't coping with life or judge me for that so I put on I must have got really good at putting on a face and um and just pretending that I was getting through it was when I got back home on those days that I did manage to get out to my work was when I got back home I was just utterly exhausted because it, it's so tiring having yeah. to micromanage your, your every move in life um, and I would just collapse in a heap and that was it the weekend was just me recovering from from the stress and, and the worry of the week mm. and it was just exhausting not just for me but from from my family you know having to if I was going somewhere new the next day, we would have to go out at night time and drive there and check out where all the exits were and check out where I would sit with to make sure that I knew exactly where I was going so that I couldn't yeah. put a foot wrong. And even talking about it is exhausting now and I don't know how I had the energy to, to keep Actually, that up. Actually, in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, because it's it's just, it's constant and it's it's so hard to get out of. Yeah. Right, so let's start talking about some of the exciting stuff that you've done. So the first thing that you did was learn to ride a bike. And did yes. you like tell that story? The the first thing that I decided to do, it was kind of bigger than learning to ride a bike because I, I wanted to I wanted to really shock myself out of it. I wanted to terrify myself and see if just to try and give myself that context for fear back again to see what I could physically and emotionally cope with so the, the idea was that I was going to try all the 17 Commonwealth sports before Glasgow 2014 because I live in Glasgow yeah. and everyone was talking about you know how the sports were were for everyone and I had never tried a sport before genuinely had never tried a sport and I thought this could be this could be the idea that really that really helps me to to put a framework around my recovery if you like so cycling was the first sport because I thought really sneakily that I would do it easily. I wouldn't have to meet anybody. <laughs> really, really solitary. I'll just buy a bike. It'll be yeah. fine. I'll go out the back garden. 
um, and it just didn't didn't work because I I didn't have any balance. I didn't have any any of those really natural physical skills that that sport gives you. Mm. Um, so I had to go and ask for for lessons, and it took me so long, weeks and weeks of sitting in my car outside the centre before I could go in. Um, because I just thought they're just going to laugh at me. I'm an adult, you know. There's kids going in there with their parents, um, and eventually I was taken by the <laughs> by the hand, and and it it was it was scary. It was um, it was difficult. I didn't I didn't get it at first. I just couldn't get the cycling's a really weird skill. <laughs> weird yeah, skill. It's, it's really tough. <laughs> I, just, I, I just couldn't make it work, but I kept kept going and yeah. for me that was that was a huge thing was that I didn't know if I was going to be able to do this and there was people there and they didn't know if I was going to be able to do it but I kept going back and honestly didn't the moment that it worked and the bike and I went in the same direction and um you know I only cycled a couple of yards before I fell off but it was the proudest that I'd ever been yeah. Of myself you know even better than the time that I got when I got my degree you know because that was something that I I was really built for with studying and I knew that I could do that and but for me cycling was something that I, I really shouldn't be able to do and here I was making this bike work yeah. it sounds really really small but for me it was it was massive yeah. and it was the first step in those building blocks of me recovering and and, and building a new life for myself it's the baby steps of master one exactly. thing. Exactly. So have you said? Yeah, you can then. No, any more. You can then. You can then build on those those successes. I'm always really, really um, keen to tell people that they should hold on to those moments. You know, really remember them and really take time to um, to just think of everything that you see at that moment and that you're feeling at that moment because you can then draw on that when things are tough again which they are you know I didn't cure my anxiety by learning to cycle but I can really conjure up those feelings of you managed that you can do that you can do it again and um, and really build on that and that's what's kept kept me going yeah it's creating that resilience inside you exactly exactly that so have you cycled on the track at the velodrome I have. I did that quite early on in my cycling career, which was a mistake. Oh my god! It is so terrifying. I couldn't start. I couldn't stop. I didn't know what. I just had to cycle towards the coach, and he had to grab me and kind of pull me off off the bike. Oh, it's but is it not just the most exhilarating thing when it works? Oh, it's incredible. Are you a track cyclist? Have you? No, I just, I did it once. Um, I used to um, teach a lot of indoor cycling, like, spin classes, and I used sure. to, like, commute on my bike all the time, and one of my friends had got me a session for my birthday, and I went once, and, like, that, I was terrified and exhilarated, and then horrified that there was, like, a six-year-old <laughs> child lapping me, and I'm like, the... Yep. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. So and I kept thinking, I can't fall off, I can't fall off. I'm going to teach a class after this. That's what I was terrified <laughs> about because I had to teach a class after. But yeah, it was... Oh, no injuries. Can't injure myself. I know. You get obsessed about that when you're teaching fitness. <laughs> what else did you do other than the cycling? So you did all of the sports for the Commonwealth. All of the 17 sports. So that included things like wrestling, um, rugby sevens. Uh, I tried 
I did a triathlon. Um, I learned to swim. I'm terrified of water, so I learned to swim. Open water. Um, yeah, eventually open water. I learned to swim. It took me maybe six years to learn to swim properly because I had this massive phobia of water. Yeah. I scalded myself when I was little with boiling hot water, and after mm. that, I had to learn to walk again and. Yeah. I couldn't, I just, anytime you took me near, even just a big puddle, I would start to shake and things. Yeah. So get getting to the point that I could even go in the pool was just such a long, um, you know, phobia sessions and things like that. Yeah. And now water is my happy place, which I would never have imagined. Um, mm. When I am, when I am in those moments that I'm daydreaming, it's, it's in a lock that I go, you know, it's, I'm in, I'm in the open water. It's just, it's so good for mental health. So good for it. And I'm so glad that I've now got to the point that I can just go out there and have that freedom of doing it myself. Yeah. But yeah, I tried, I tried netball, hockey, all the, all the sports that I should have tried when I was young. I was now trying them as a 30 something year old, terrified adult. But it was brilliant. It was great. I was crying on badminton courts constantly <laughs> just but, um, but it was it's fantastic and I now don't know what my life would be without physical activity it yeah. just it saved me yeah absolutely yeah. saved me and and looking back it was the best challenge that I could have taken on even though I didn't know it because of how good physical activity is for mental health yeah. it's just um the cornerstone of my life now yeah because it releases all your oxytocin and dopamine and all the good positive healing hormones but also the sense of achievement and the confidence yeah. and the resilience and then you get like yeah. team sports and connection with other people and connection with yourself like we really don't get it has enough all, it has all these really basic elements that make us human beings built in sport just you know, it just has it, and I don't mean elite sport. I don't. I wasn't going out to you know to get medals or anything. I just mean really grassroots stuff of going to a hockey pitch with your pals yeah. and running about with a ball, and you know, not even keeping score, just yeah. having a laugh. Just having it's, fun. It's, yeah, just having fun and and feeling that connection between your body and your mind, which we don't give enough credit to. I think I went for a long time. My I didn't think that my head was connected to my body. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that my mind was, um, and I, it, it's so underrated that connection because giving yourself some good physical input, some good physical health, has just the best um, impact on on your mental. I'm not saying it cures it, but it gives you a really solid foundation to that you can then build upon. Yeah, and then after you did the Commonwealth sports you went on to do mm -hmm. other bits and pieces didn't you <laughs> yes my, my next challenge after that was that I tried all the jobs that kids wanted when when they grew up so I had a list of like 12 of all the compiled um top jobs that kids wanted and I just went out and I, I tried them all um just I was meeting a lot of young people at that time because I had started doing speaking in in schools and the aspiration levels really surprised me, particularly I live in Glasgow's East End, yeah. you know, and, and young people felt like they, they couldn't just go out and be what they wanted to be or do what they wanted to do because no one in their family had did it or, you know, yeah. they, so I, I said, I'm going to try all these. I'm qualified for nothing yeah. and I'm going to show young people that you can, you, 
there is access and that you can that you can do it um so I tried being a farmer for a day I was a a pilot I was a um astronaut with the UK Space Agency for a day um I was a scientist just all those police Scotland let me let me be a, a trainee police officer at their training college the fire service took me out it's amazing what people will do when they know that you're doing it for for the right reasons and and I, I basically just told them you know I'm doing this for my mental health and I'm doing this to try and improve young people's mental health can I come along and ride in an ambulance and they said yes okay let's do it and um and it was fantastic and I get now to go into schools and say to young people you know this idiot managed that you guys can you guys can do anything so yeah um, so it was, a, it was a really positive challenge terrifying at times but yeah. but really positive. what's the most oh my god thing that you've done um i think probably the wing walking was was amazing i tried wing, wing walking a couple of years ago and i, I love planes and <laughs> But when I was standing on top of that plane at a few thousand, you know, feet in the air, and I was just thinking, what are you doing with your life, Paul McGuire? How did this happen? <laughs> How did you get here um, from learning to cycle? That was pretty, <laughs> that, that was the most exhilarating, I think. Um, but the most terrifying for me was life modelling. I don't know if you've, have you ever tried life modelling? No, I've been to I've been to a class where I've been drawing um, people, but uh-huh. I had to take my clothes off in front of people. That for me was just horrific, <laughs> um, because I I kind of said, oh, I want to try this, and the artist was just like, okay, come along. The class is in next Sunday, and I didn't really get time to prepare myself mentally yeah. for it, so I just went along, and yeah, it was, you know, if you've been to a class, the they expect you to actually do stuff. You can't just stand there. You've got to, you know, do dynamic poses. And every mo- movement that I'd ever known fell out of my head that day. And you ended up having to, sh- you had to shout things out to me to do- pretend you're digging, ball <laughs> because I just completely, yeah, my, my mind, oh, my mind just went blank. Um, I love that I've done that. And it was, it was huge for me. But never, never again. So that was, <laughs> but yeah, lots of them have been have been really terrifying. But it's that thing of you know, tight to fun. Afterwards, it was just the best thing, and I'm so glad that I did it. But at the time, it was just frightening, just straight up terrifying. And um, things like the horse vaulting, you know, doing gymnastics on the back of a horse. Yeah. Um, things things like that I would just never have thought. Bungee jumping. Um, throwing myself out of a plane, flying the plane, open water swimming, um, all these things, paddleboarding that I just never saw myself doing in life, but have been, now are the absolute backbone of, of my recovery and, and they're things that I just completely draw on any time that I'm, any time that I'm struggling. Yeah. Is there anything still on the list that you're like, one day I'm going to get, I'm going to do that? there's loads of things and it's amazing because once you say that you try anything people will people will then give you their list they'll say have you tried this have you tried that so I'm still in the next couple of months I'm trying springboard diving so you know like redoing the Olympics yeah I'm 
I'm bricking it about that one. Like I'm, I love open water, but I'm still really terrified of the deep end of a swimming pool. <laughs> so that one is going to be frightening. I'm going um, caving. So I'm going to go up north and in, in, in some caves. Yeah. My dad really doesn't want me to do that. Do that one. He's really frightened for me. Okay. Um, and I'm doing some ghost hunting coming up. I'm going to do some <laughs> paranormal investigation. So there's still loads of stuff that yeah. um, that I really that I really want to do, and that um, I just I want to be the person that tries everything, Jen. You know, I, I don't want to end my life being constrained by by anything. And I feel like there's there's nothing that, that I won't try anymore. Which, um, when I say that to people, they really try and think of <laughs> think of things. But I, you know, I still really struggle with my anxiety. I still this is really terrifying for me because I don't know you that well, and yeah. um, so I haven't cured it by any means. I just I just live it lives with it lives with me now. I, I take it along on on all my adventures, and and it just has to put up with it now, which. I intend to live like this for as long as I need to to live a healthy life. Yeah. And you're managing it rather than it's managing you. Exactly that. It's just a really, really small part of of my reality now. Whereas before, it was my entire reality. Yeah. You know, if you'd if you'd asked me even just maybe six or seven years ago what I was like as a person, the only thing I could have told you was anxious. You know, it was all I knew about myself. Yeah. Because it had, it had taken control of my entire personality. Yeah. And when I started to recover, I had to relearn things about myself. Like, I didn't know what films I liked, or I didn't know if I liked going to the theatre because, for me, that was just something that caused me anxiety. So I didn't do it. Yeah. But when I had the anxiety under control, I realised that I, I did like doing it. But yeah. I had to relearn that. I had to relearn that I actually quite liked going out for dinner because I'd been so terrified to eat in public that I just wouldn't do it. I didn't know what I liked to eat anymore because I only ate things that you know that I that I could get or that I could that I could eat in tiny little pieces while people were around. There was just so much about myself that I that, that I only knew about based on what anxiety told me. Yeah. So it was a really massive thing for me you know being able to do things based on what I wanted rather than based on what my mental health told me that, that I could do and once once you start opening that world it's really difficult to close it back down again <laughs> so um so yeah anxiety really does have to just deal with it nowadays yes. because <laughs> it, it, it's such a small part of, of my existence now and that back. for me is something yeah that's that for me is something that I I feel is the reason that I suffered for all those years because now I get to say to people who struggle in the same way that I do that they can they can live with it they don't need to survive it they can actually live with anxiety and sure it makes things harder sure it makes things you know a bit more um you have to manage it a bit more you have to be a bit more in control of things but you can still live a really wonderful life with mental health and that for me was worth 30 years of suffering if I can give that message to one person that that makes a difference for them yeah, definitely for sure when you are like around other people do you maybe notice that somebody's potentially hiding their anxiety from other people because you've already been in those shoes that somebody who yeah. hasn't been in those shoes would, wouldn't necessarily notice I think so I think it also just makes you really um hyper emotionally aware mm. you know you 
I notice things in people that um, I, I find in myself a lot, you know, so I, even just in the street, if someone is, is struggling, I, I, you kind of feel it. it, it sounds really um, hocus pocus, but well, you know, you, you're kind of more attuned to people's emotions because you are so heavily attuned to your own, and I think that's a really healthy thing, you know, but we're, we're a really social species and we sh we should be aware of how each other's feeling and, and that's the only way that you can have compassion with people and that you can support people as if as if you, you're able to put yourself in their shoes and, and really feel what it is that they're feeling and um, again that's something that I think that mental health problems give you that that have given me that I wouldn't have had otherwise you know I don't think I would be this aware of what other people are going through if I hadn't struggled myself so much and I don't think I would be as um, conscious that everyone is dealing with their own stuff you know and it makes you a much more forgiving person I think because you can think well you know I don't know what they're dealing with so maybe that bad mood that they're in today is because they've got a lot of stuff going on so it makes you it makes me anyway more able to reach out to people and um and less embarrassed about saying to people can I help? Is there anything, you know, do you need anything? Um, because for me, people got me out of this and, and if I can be a person that gets someone out of it, then I'm definitely going to, going to take the chance of, of them telling me to bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> so who were the main people around you that helped get you out? Always my husband, Jerry. Um, he just really naturally fell into that role that my family had felt had had done all, all those years of, of really supporting me, but he he always saw my potential, mm. and he he says this to this day. You know, I always say to him, "Did you know? Is it am I a really different person now? Are we <laughs> are we on on the rocks here because you're married to a different person?" But he, he always says, "I knew the person that you were. It's just that now we can go outside and other people can see the person yeah. that you are that you are as well." So he. He knew that um, he knew the potential that I had, but he didn't. He didn't push me yeah. to be, you know. He didn't push me to get out and do things. He supported me, and the, but the minute that I said to him, "I think that I'm going to do this challenge and try and find my way out of it," even though he he knew that how difficult this would be for me, his instant words were, "Great, let's do it." You know, there was no hint of. Are you sure, you know, trying to keep me in that space or trying yeah. to, you know, inhibit me in any way? He was just like, yep, okay, what are we going to do to support this? He set up the website. He said, let's hold you to account on this. Let's yeah. give you something creative that you can do with it. Um, and he, he was just there, you know, <laughs> that those cycling photos that I have were only available because Jerry was willing to <laughs> to hide in a bush in a park with a camera like a weirdo. <laughs> He's <laughs> I know because you know because he knew that I couldn't let him near me with a camera at that yeah. point. I I was so self conscious. So he was willing to go and do all those really dodgy things, um, because he knew how important it was for me. And and to this day, he is, you know, my greatest support system but also the person that <laughs> that I can rely on to tell me if something is too dangerous because at times I swing the other way and I don't know I don't know the difference between 
this is actually dangerous or anxiety is trying to tell you that it's dangerous. Yeah. So he's a really good barometer for me of, you know, Paula, you're paragliding into a, an electricity pylon. This is actually dangerous. Now. <laughs> Let's take a step back. So he's, he's you know, he's, he's my, yeah, he's my foundation, I think. Um, he's like a legend. He's wonderful. He really is. Um, and he would not, he would not like me telling you that, but... <laughs> Um, because he likes to just give me credit for my own recovery, but he is just—he was just the backbone for a long time. And my family, you know, my my folks, my mom and dad, my sister, have been just so so patient, <laughs> patient with me yeah. over the years. To the point that when I said, you know, I'm I'm going to go out and try boxing and cage fighting, and they're just they just they're like, yeah, if it's what helps Paula, you just you just go and do it and. You know, they come with me to random events and um, I've been really, really fortunate. I lucked out big time with with the people around me um, and and my friends. But there's also lots of people that I've met because of this, you know, like Stephen, yeah. who has been an incredible support. And, you know, like Tom Hamilton from the bowling club, who, who was one of the first people to say, come to our club and try that. You know, all yeah. these people who... To me, people that were involved in sports were horrible bullies that would just take the mic out of me for, for not being good at it. And yet here they were just being the, a real support system for me, just really getting around me and saying, we can do this together. Um, and I've really lucked out with, with so many people who have just, just got involved that were strangers and who now are some of my, my closest friends. It's amazing. Is there anything that they um, that your partner has actually said? No, well, you're not actually doing that. Have they actually stopped you from doing anything? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> he has dangerous enough, but yet <laughs> he, he let me try to swim around Britain. <laughs> I mean, like okay. that. Okay. That was that was crazy. His life was quite extreme as well. Yes, yes. Um, he has had serious conversations with me over things like the swimming around Britain thing you know like where do you see this going what is your helping me manage my expectations yeah so that my level of success isn't that I had to swim all the way around Britain it was that I started that was my so he helps me to kind of a um manage what I expect of myself so that when if I do fail at it or if it goes poorly I still have I still have my sense of self and it doesn't crumble my recovery. Mm. So he's really good at, at, at being like, right, Paula, what, what is your measure of success for this? And I can just say, well, as long as I start it, as long as I go out and I give it a go and I give it my best. And he's yeah. like, that's, that's fine. That's really healthy. And he, he sees when I am falling back into old patterns. So yeah. when I tried the swim, I was quickly falling back into panic attacks into trying to stay indoors inside, trying to keep people around me and not let people do anything. And he noticed that straight away, that, that those were old coping mechanisms. Mm. So he was able to just say, can you see that you're doing this? Yeah. This might not be healthy for you. And he never says, you need to stop. He gives me the information that I need and I think, right, I think this is, this is when I'm calling it a day. Yeah. Um, so he, honestly, He's just a legend, as you say. He's just, um, <laughs> he just gets it. And I don't know why he gets it, because he's never suffered with mental health problems. None of his family's, family does. He just instantly really knew 
how best to support me and has been has been wonderful and we're married 10 years this year and I'm a completely different person now thank you um and he's still he's still helping me to you know go springboard diving and yeah. man is a saint, man <laughs> is a saint. <laughs> so if there's anybody listening to this just now that is themselves suffering from anxiety what would your advice to them be my advice is always the same get all the support that you can get all the advice that you can don't ever feel that guilty or ashamed about asking for help or declaring your mental health problems or taking medication that is prescribed to get you to a place where you can then build upon it. I think that is the very foundation is get all the support that you can to get yourself to a level playing field with everyone else. Then give yourself a little bit of trust because you have everything in you that you need to to live a happy, healthy life. And it is hard. I'm not going to say that I wake up every morning delighted that I have to battle my way through anxiety, but you feel better at the other end of the day for having done it. So take baby steps. I'm not talking, don't think that you have to stand on the back of a plane to, to <laughs> battle anxiety. Do the things that, that are meaningful for you. And if that is that you get to go and have a coffee with your pal, um, do that and really feel that success really enjoy it for yourself and then build upon it on those days when things aren't as good um take lots of time for yourself be really patient with yourself in the way that you would be for anyone else because we're all really really bad at giving other people great advice and not using it ourselves yes. you know take those moments that you need every day take for me half an hour of exercise a day is self-care for me. I need it and I take it and it's built into every day. Take that half an hour of whatever it is that you need built into every day and don't feel bad about it because that is just part of what you what you need to to live your life and then to go on and, um, and do all the things that, that you deserve to do and live a really healthy life. I think the first thing though is get all the support that you can because there is no shame. And at the minute I, I don't need to take medication but in the future, if I have to go back to that and, you know, and, and take medication again, then that's fine because yeah. that's just where I am at that, at that moment. I think accepting yourself for where you are at that moment is so important. Sorry, I just talk and talk and talk. No, that's, that's Everybody does. It's brilliant. You ask a question and then people just go, and it's great. That, but that's what you want. Like, see if you ask a question, you get one more answer. It's, for me, it's really difficult. It's like, oh, no, I'm yeah. now. <laughs> Oh, um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my best advice. Okay, and what about for people who are at the other side who are wanting to support somebody with anxiety that have maybe never experienced it? Because you know sometimes when people are offering help, they maybe say their own things unintentionally because they're trying to they're trying to be supportive but don't know how to be. What would your advice to them be? Yeah. I think the, the the best advice for anyone, and and I always say thank you to people who are supporting people with anxiety because it is you're playing such an important role you you don't know how vital you are to people like me um for just being there but and i think that's it sit with them sit with them in the place that they are in don't try and bring them to a place that that they just can't be at the minute yeah. um accept where they where they are accept the place that they that they are in and if offer them opportunities don't cut somebody out just because 
they're struggling and I know that's hard because we had a pain in the arse mm. you know I was a real pain when I had anxiety for cancelling on people and but try to still give them the opportunities offer them do you want me to come for a cup of tea and if they say no try not to take it personally because it's not on you it's it's just where they are at that minute but keep giving them the opportunities because one day they might be in the place ready to say do you know what I will come for a cup of tea and you have given that person a lifeline that you will never believe that a cup of tea and a cake could do um it's just accepting the person for for where they are right now and giving them a hand to hold even if you want to drag them out of it just just sit there because that's maybe the built the first step for them is telling you talking to you or admitting to you that that they need that hand to hold and and that could then bring them to a place that that they're ready but they have to get to that place because there's no pushing someone who who is struggling so bad yeah perfect so if people want to see the photo of you cycling and all the other photos of you and all your tasks and follow some of your journey and what you've got coming up where is the best place for people to find you the website is paulamusttryharder.co.uk and i am P must try harder across all social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and I always say as well, and it's not just lip service, if you are struggling or if you are supporting someone who is struggling, get in touch with me. You know, get in touch with me through the website. I am always at the end of an email for someone who who needs even just to check in, just to talk to someone who, who gets it, who's been there. Um, even if you don't want me to do anything you don't want to come on an adventure with me even just to say you know can you check in on me once in a while and and I will because for me that's what my life is about now and that's that's why I'm at this point yeah that's awesome your story is so inspiring oh thank you so much thank you great I'm always I'm always exhausted after telling it um, because I have to kind of put myself back in those, yeah. those, you know, those mindsets and those places to kind of try and describe it well. So I'm always afterwards, yeah. I'm like, right, I need to sit with a cup of tea under a blanket <laughs> for half an hour um, and then go out for a walk and just clear my head. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's to- I, le- I think it's worth going, I think it's worth conjuring on up those, those places because it, it helps me to tell the story in a way that, that hopefully makes it a bit more real for people and um because I think a lot of people can think she she wasn't really in that situation because yeah. nowadays I, I don't you know I don't present as someone who has really bad anxiety anymore but yeah I can really conjure that back up again because it was such a massive part of my life yeah yeah it's, I very much Are appreciate you sharing not at all are you feeling okay um, my Crohn's has had a little bit of a revisit over the last few oh, days, crap. so that's right. one of the reasons I'm in my jammies and my blanket. Um, Quite right. I've been for acupuncture, um, and I'm using that to mm-hmm. try and get things under control, and it's helping. But the Good. acupuncturist said to me um, through the translator yesterday, he's like, this is all emotional stuff, this is all emotional stuff, she's holding too much emotion in her body, and he could tell that just from pressing it around my ribs. And wow. my, my gran had passed away in January, and that's one of oh, the, it's that um, sort of like shockwave of stress is caught up with me, and that's what's triggered it. And I was just yeah. like, ah, yes, that's exactly what's going on in my body. Like I knew that, but it was just so interesting that 
the Chinese doctor could tell that just by looking at my ribs. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it's it's incredible. You you don't know when grief's going to catch up on with you. Yeah. You feel like you're doing all right, and then all of a sudden it just it just batters hell out of you. Um, I hope you're doing all right. I'm sorry to hear about your your gran. It's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's it's sad, but. She was, she was 90 and she had lived well up until that point, even though she'd had COPD. And then she was about two or three weeks where she wasn't well before she passed. So it was quite quick. Oh, yeah, that's hard. It's hard, but it was also meant that the suffering didn't prolong. It's yeah. Catch-22 mm-hmm. of you don't want them to go, but you don't want them to hang on <sighs> for the sake mm-hmm. of hanging on. It's like... It's horrible. Uh, yeah horrible but just take the time that you take the time that you need and have you got an easier week this week or are you yeah well, the universe as it does conspires to look after you so two people um that I had one-to-one sessions with this week have cancelled so okay. that's given me a couple of few hours and I don't, the way I had reset up my week I was only working part-time hours anyway so it's kind of given me that space so yeah good good well Please. just rest for a bit rest for a bit and if you need anything let me know please oh, and I'll, thank you so much i'll ferry cake to you or whatever it is that, you eat that makes you feel better <laughs> cake's always a go-to for me sorry um yeah, but, vinegar squares. Oh, oh they're good that's a, that's a good one not jerry would approve of that Jones, but <laughs> maybe not some, so much but. sometimes you just need to eat what you really need to eat <laughs> Sure thing, but stay well, all right. And yes, if you need too. anything, keep let me know. And, and you, wonderful lady. Monday, so when it goes out, I will Great. tag you and share it all across social media. Sure, all thank right. you. Great so to much. talk to you. Stay well. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IAM.JenWilson.